friends, and welcome back to your weekly Linux talk show. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. And my name is Brent. Hello, gentlemen. Well, coming up on the show today, what what does make the perfect Linux laptop? I mean, I don't think we have to tell you. It really depends on the job you're doing. But if you want something that's portable, powerful, and all-day battery life that runs Linux out of the box, well, we might have a system for you. Today, we're taking our first look at a tuxedo system, the Infinity Book Pro 14. I've had it for a couple of weeks, been testing it out, got my hands on Tuxedo OS as well, and we'll share some insights and thoughts on that. And then we'll round out the show with a little bit of uh, Berlin meetup roundup and some boosts and some picks and more. There's a lot in there this week. So let's say good morning to our friends over at Tailscale. Tailscale's a mesh VPN protected by Wirecard. By Wirecard. That's right. It creates a flat mesh network between all your machines, protects it with Wireguard. We love it. It'll change your networking game. It can do way more than you could even imagine. So go say good morning and try it out for 100 devices for free. Tailscale.com slash Linux Unplugged. That's where you go to support the show. Tailscale.com slash Linux Unplugged. And time appropriate greetings to our virtual log. Hello, Mumble Room. They've been really hanging with us, hanging tight as uh, we sorted out some of our remote connection issues. And it feels like they kind of help us get the show ready yeah they got us in the show mindset this week so and we did have a few kinks to work out because brent is on location he's back at the next cloud office in berlin and uh brent you just narrowly escaped and i'm not exaggerating you just narrowly escaped a wildfire to make it there well i i did personally but i don't think my home is still escaping it's still somewhat under threat but luckily i got the wink from my brother and he said just go we got this so that's you know, that could be a heck of a thing to come back to, huh? Uh, or not to come back yeah. to. Considering that's why it. I say just never go back. Just when you when you leave Berlin, mm. you just fly to the studio and you just stay here. You just never go back. I think you're yeah, on something, Chris. If you never go back, did it really burn down? <laughs> it it was is actually quite the story. We got into it in Office Hours 33, Lucky Episode 33. Brent shares the details, and yeah, one of the Canadian wildfires is like within spitting distance of Brent's place right now. Well, and you know, since then, Chris, it has, well, not exploded, but it has grown considerably. I was worried about it last, what was that, Tuesday when we did this? Yeah. Now it's Sunday as we record, and I've still been, you know, even if I'm on a different continent, I've been checking in to see what the situation's like, and it's it's actually getting quite a bit worse. I don't know if I made the right decision to be here, but um, there's something like 520-some properties that just got an evacuation alert, like in the town next to where I am. Uh, so that that's a lot of houses. And the fire now is 493 or so hectares. You guys probably don't know what that is because, you know, metric system. Wes, I think you looked this up. It's like 10,000 acres, right? Uh, yeah, it seems to be, which, eh, it's a lot of fire. Yeah. So uh, there's like 300 people working on this fire now. <laughs> it's insane. Like, anyways. So, oh, we got we got some crews from your end of uh, of the woods that came and helped. We got a, a fire crew from the U.S. So thank you. Good. Now, what would you really be able to do if you were there, anyways? I, we worked hard before my trip, and we did a lot of things. And the power came back on. Uh, yay. Uh, so we're able to like turn on sprinklers to water around our homes and stuff. So that feels way, way, way better than, you know, when it was just dry and cooking. So I think we've done what we can and now, yeah, it's up to the wind and the weather. And you've definitely busy while you've been in Berlin. So you, uh, 
did the meetup. We're going to talk about that in the feedback section of the show. You're there at the Nextcloud offices, the new uh, day job. But what have you been up to while you, while, between meetups and uh, catching up with people at the office? <laughs> well, I don't. It's been like day three and I've already squeezed in like so many stories. Uh, but really, I think the highlight so far is listener Tomash, who people might remember from uh, my last visit. Uh, we started... I think we just started a tradition now that every time I come, I he throws me into a different lake here in Berlin. And so we went swimming. He's a triathloner, of course, so I can't keep up. But did something like 500 meters or so in a lake. And it was it was way, way warmer than last time. So I was thankful there. So we did that on, what was it, Friday, I think? Oh, I forget. I don't even know which day it is anymore. Saturday yesterday and today he took me and his family to go bouldering so we climbed a bunch of walls and had a good time it's, apparently that's a really berlin thing oh really someone will someone will confirm that for me hey you can find plenty out in the pacific northwest i was too, gonna say so we got you, lots you can of try rocks. it when you get back yeah <laughs> and our and our friends in boulder colorado right now are listening thinking we got plenty <laughs> of rocks but that sounds like a blast good for you it's a good time i i feel like uh you know from last time i've just made a bunch of friends here and it's like coming home well, that is really nice. And sounds like you're uh, staying active and maybe, maybe going to beat the jet lag. We shall see. Uh, but we will follow up on the meetup. We'll get the full report in a little bit in the show. But before we get into the main topic of the day, I wanted to put a little call out there for privacy preserving power tools on Linux. Uh, we haven't really got this show into focus yet, but I have for weeks wanted to put together an episode of some of the very best security and privacy tools that are available on Linux that we could kind of have a touchstone episode that kind of packages it all up. And so when people are looking for this stuff, there's like a episode that we can refer them to, or you could, you, the audience could refer people to where we could rattle through some of the very best. So we would love to have you boost those in or email them at linuxunplugged.com slash contact. You can find our forum there and uh, kind of just go through, if you would, with a description link, uh, if you can, or we can always Google it if it if you don't have the, the time to grab the link. And we kind of want to collect those, review some of them. We have a list of our own, too, that we have just like suggested over the years on the show. And we want to feature the ones that we think still stand up to the test of time, the ones we still use and whatnot. So that's going to be coming up very soon. So please get your recommendations in. We need your help. Yeah, we want to get that kind of sorted out. And then we want to have that produced because feels like, I don't know, feels like it's the right time. Every day that goes on, more of Chris's information leaks to the internet. Right. Or yours. Oh, no. No, it's not a fear-mongering thing. As I get older and I have kids and all of that, I just really feel like privacy is a human right. And I think Linux and free software are a fundamental requirement for us to be able to trust the tools. Mm -hmm. And so in the whole scope of privacy and all of that, I feel like you have to be able to trust the software. And the only tr software I trust is free software fully. So I think this is just, we're in a unique position for those kind of tools. So Tuxedo OS, do we trust it? Uh, I was never really sure what it was because I'd, I'd never really had an opportunity to purchase a Tuxedo machine. And until kind of recently, Tuxedo OS wasn't actually available for general download. Oh, really? It is now. I think maybe it started with OS2. It's Ubuntu 22.04 based. And uh, their spin ships with Plasma 527.6 right now. So it's... It is a plasma. It's more akin to Kubuntu, perhaps, than than vanilla Ubuntu. They package it with their own take on the Breeze thing. So it has okay. perhaps, you know, some nice improvements. Sounds like a nice base anyway. Mm -hmm. I think it is. And then they're also uh, upping the kernel to a more current 
custom build uh, Linux 6.2 with some of their own patches in there, which I believe is actually up on GitHub. So, right, you can, so you're already a little positive on it. Well, uh, I wasn't really sure what I was going to get, right? I wasn't sure, was this a quick bang together Ubuntu clone? Was this more akin to something that's quite different like Mint, but, you know, familiar with Ubuntu? Was this Pop? Where where did this fall? And was there creepy, sneaky stuff in there? And then I think the ultimate question I wanted to answer is, is it worth it? Right. Is it is it worth getting Tuxedo OS? Is it are they as are they actually doing something of value that gets added there? Mm, yeah. If you're a, you know, already a Linux user, you're not just getting it with the OS that comes with your new laptop. But uh, if you have the ability to put something else on there. Yeah. When you bother. And and to their credit, they let you pick from Ubuntu proper, Kubuntu, Bungie or just no Linux, nothing installed. Oh, that's so nice. Or yeah. Or or Tuxedo OS. It is, I think, a comparison to make that is fair is it reminds me of Motorola's take on Android. If you've ever had a Moto phone, light, light adjustments, couple of tweaks here and there, but almost totally stock Android. That's what I kind of had to, how I describe the Motorola experience on most Moto phones that I've had. And that's sort of the tuxedo OS experience. If it wasn't for the like wallpaper branding, you'd just think it's Kubuntu, to be honest with you, with just kind of a, a popped up theme a little bit. Then what they do is they bundle it with a couple of tools, right? They have a, like a backup manager that lets you create like a thumb drive kind of thing. And then they have their probably their biggest centerpiece that is different with tuxedo OS. And you can actually get this in Arch and a few other places, but it's their tuxedo control center. You can probably guess what that does by the name, right? It's a dashboard that shows you like your CPU temp, your your frequency of your processor, the fan speed. And then it also has a profile selection screen. And I I, rec- I, I encourage, you know, go look this up if uh, you're curious, because I think they've done a decent job on the UI implementation here. But they've created these profiles that let you do things based on if it's plugged in or not. You can control the brightness, the fan speed, the CPU power limits, the frequency power limits. There's a lot of little things you can tweak, depending especially on the hardware that you have. And then they have things in there like tools to let you change your file system encryption password if you did encrypted uh, home partition or something. You can set a shutdown timer so the system auto shuts down. They give you a UI to adjust the keyboard backlight for some reason. You can just do that on the keyboard. And then they have a little UI in there for you to test your webcam. Hmm. All right. And how does it feel? I mean, is it sort of bare bones or yeah. is it polished or is it like some sort of weird you know, UI toolkit that's unnecessary. Simple in a positive way. Okay. Right. You open it up. There's not a ton of options, but you know what they all do. It's all really clear. And so it's not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Not slow or anything. I found it. No, I'm not, not, I, it felt native. It might've been, I don't know. It might've been flutter for all I know, but it felt performant. It's electron. Okay. I felt like I wished I had a little bit more. And when I looked at other tuxedo systems, seems like depending on the rig and like your video card options and stuff like that, there are additional fields that just sort of, sort of show up. Uh-huh. And if they're not, maybe, I don't know for sure, I can't confirm, but if they're not applicable, I think maybe they just don't display. And so I just had a few less options. Yeah, that makes sense. I love the battery charging control in there. They have their, they have this UI in there for changing charging profiles, as they call it. And one option is full charge. The other option is reduced capacity. So it only charges to 90%. Just built right in there, huh? Yeah. And mm. then the last option that comes built in is stationary use, like for at the desk. And uh, that caps charging to 80%. Nice to have that in there. There's lots of ways to do that kind of stuff in Linux. But this is a vendor-blessed way that's just sort of built right into their tuxedo control dashboard thing. Uh, I like that. And I, I thought, I, I, would I miss this, you know, if I were to get rid of 
Tuxedo OS. I don't think I personally would, but I think if you're an Ubuntu user already, you'd like to have this. It's why not install it, right? And if you're on Arch, you can get it from the AUR. Of course. It's not in the next packages, but it is available for some other distros too. So I would, if I could get it on my distro of choice, I would install it. When I don't have it, I don't necessarily miss it. It feels like one of those things that when you first get the laptop, you'll use initially to kind of set the things like your charging profile and your fan curves and all that. And you'll probably just leave it. So you don't really need to open it. You know, after you've had the laptop for a year, you're probably not opening it, you know, so it's, you're not going to miss it that much. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised with the experience of Tuxedo OS. My bias, I have to be honest with you, was to go in not liking it. I, I, I don't like all, I don't like every vendor having their own distro. Um, I don't like that we have to have purpose built distros for laptops. Um, however, they didn't cross the line in any way that seemed egregious. And, uh, you know, they're, they're using their own repos. So for uh-huh. me, it felt like it was a little slower than maybe the Ubuntu main repos were, but I think that's actually kind of a, a good choice on their part. So I, I actually walked away with a new impression of Tuxedo OS. I think I've changed my mind from skeptical to, I, I get it. And I think it's, you know, it's pretty damn close to just mainline Ubuntu. And that's, that's pretty good. Right. I mean, I think I would appreciate that if I sort of recommended this to someone in my life, mm-hmm. that if I was involved in helping them set something up or troubleshoot it, then that's you know, a good I'd way know to what I was it. doing. Yeah. I have, I would have no, no hesitation if a family member or a friend or an audience member wanted to buy one of these. I'd have no hesitation saying, yeah, you can just use Tuxedo OS. That's just fine. And it gives you that little tool to back up and change a few things. Yeah, yeah, it right. comes with their kernel, which is newer and has a couple of patches for the hardware if you need it. Right. That's awfully nice, too. So I have to say Tuxedo OS really kind of shined a little bit more than I expected. And it's nice now that you can download it and give it, your, give it a go yourself. So if you're curious, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's os.tuxedocomputers.com or, like I said, link in the notes. And then you can go, go give Tuxedo OS your own try and let us know what you think. Leno.com slash unplugged. Head on over there to get $100 in 60-day credit. It's a great way to support the show. And you can check out the exciting news because Linode is now part of Akamai. All the tools that we love, like the cloud manager that's beautifully designed, the API that's well-documented with libraries ready to go that you can use just pretty much from Go, and, of course, the CLI that uh, I use to take snapshots of my rigs before I make major changes. I upload to S3 object storage and flip permission bits with that thing. I love the command line client. All that stuff. The great infrastructure, the speed, the backups, everything we've loved about Linode's there, still there. In fact, it's getting even more investment and it's getting the backing of Akamai's power and global reach. They're expanding their services to offer more cloud computing resources, giving you more tools, giving you that Akamai network that is just like the Cadillac of the CDN networks. If that's even a saying anymore, I don't know. Is, is, is there a better car now? Affordable, scalable for yourself, for your fr- for your friends, for a project. I mean, if you just want to do a little portfolio site or a standby site or an offsite testing or backup to everything to like the core of your business, even a large business, you know, you're going to have millions of downloads. You're going to have lots of high bandwidth traffic or high compute. Linode can handle that. We started with rigs that were really low end couple, just great value systems, but not a lot of processor. And then as the community demand ramped up, we just turned it up. And Linode's system makes that so easy to just incrementally add more compute as we need it. And we also know that every time we're making big changes, we're safe because they have great backups. So go experience the power of Linode, now Akamai. Go to linode.com slash unplugged. Get that $100, support the show, and learn how Linode, now Akamai, can help scale your applications from the cloud all the way to the very, very edge. That's linode.com slash 
Unplugged. All right, and you weren't just playing around with Tuxedo OS in the ether in a virtual machine. You had your hands on some real hardware, right, Chris? Indeed. They, they contacted me and asked if I'd like to review the new eighth generation Infinity Book Pro. It's it went available for pre-order like late April. I think it's been shipping for a few weeks now. So this is a pretty new rig. They offer it in a couple of different sort of flavors. It's This one is 14-inch. It comes with an i7 processor. That's They kind of have some standard parts. Uh, it's a Raptor Lake H processor with 14 cores, 20 threads, and a laptop CPU is pretty fun. Uh, it's this uh, eight E cores, you know, like the, I guess, economy cores is what, is that what that stands for? And then six P cores, which is for performance. Well, of course. Yeah. So they're doing that thing now. Nice display, 2880 by 1800 with a 90 hertz refresh rate on the display. I like that a lot. Another number I like a lot on this laptop, 99 watt hour battery. Yeah, buddy. It's been a bit, it's been a minute since I've had a 99 watt hour battery and I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. You uh, handed it to me just to take a look before the show started, but you handed it to me with a 8% battery, but I feel like there's probably some context needed for that, right? (laughs) I haven't had the laptop plugged in since Friday when I decided to put NixOS on it. So the NixOS install, and I started the NixOS install, I'm not even joshing you, at 74% battery. Because I checked right before I was like, do I have enough? Because the next, the GUI installer will warn you, hey, idiot, this isn't plugged in. Like, what are you doing? You're going to install your OS without it being plugged in? So, of course, I did the right thing and I installed the OS without it being plugged <laughs> of in. Of course. And then once I copied over the right Nix config, I had, then had to rebuild like the whole dang system. And like that was the one time I've really heard the fans kick off. And I did all of that. And then every time I like picked it up to like check the web this weekend. So, yeah, it was down pretty low. But I am pretty happy with the battery life. I, I think their estimates of, you know, 10 to 14 hours or something like that is probably pretty accurate. And it uh, looks like it's got, what, a both both barrel and USB-C charging. So I was able to plug it in with the laptop charger I already brought to the studio. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Because I know some people love to just see USB-C. But they, mine, I thought, my power brick's like 120 watt. They say it's a 99 watt on their website. But you get a 99 watt or 120 watt barrel connector, which really gives this thing some sustained power. Or you can use USB-C, but I think that's at a lower wattage. Um, and one of the things they have, they have a dual heat system, like heat piping system in here. You can take the back off and you can see it all. It's Ooh. really easy. Once you take the back off, easy access to the drive, easy access to the RAM, easy access to the battery. It's just all right here. If you want to replace the cooling fans, if like a fan goes out, they're just right here. You can get to them. You can just couple of couple of screws. And they're out Phillips screws. So serviceability, upgradeability gets a check there. And because of, and I'm just, I'm guessing, but looking at the way they've designed the cooling system on here, I think that's why they're getting away with sustained 40 watt draw on the CPU. So you can really push the Intel in this thing. And I think the magic is a bit in the 13th gen Intel, because I think that's where the significant battery life gain is coming from. And the fact that I really only heard the fans kick up once got thunderbolt 4 in there too mine came with a one terabyte mvme you can go up to a four terabyte if you got the money this is an all intel system so this has the iris xe graphics all right or z graphics however you say it you could do a build to order nvidia rtx 3050 or something along those lines if you wanted to slap an nvidia in this thing but guys if you don't need it i highly recommend considering just sticking with all intel like my review unit because the thing runs cool and it runs quiet for almost all your tasks and the battery life is really good and when you when you put a big 99 watt hour battery and you put a big 
power supply to charge this thing and you're all Intel, it charges fast and it holds its battery. So if you need the NVIDIA, obviously go for it. But if you don't, the 13th generation Intel graphics is noticeably better. It's not like an AMD GPU yet, but it's... Did you try any games or anything on there? Just basic stuff, like Race the Sun. Um, I don't I don't expect it to game. You know, I wouldn't be yeah. buying it to game necessarily. Right. This is a work machine that's got a nice high-resolution 14-inch screen that I was able to hook up to another very high-resolution, super ultra-wide Samsung uh, through uh, USB-C. Oh. And so I just plugged the Samsung monitor in through USB-C, and it's also, I mean, it's a monster. It's massive. And it was driving that screen and the internal high-resolution screen, both of which are at high rate refresh rate, no problem. And it, I, I used it in that configuration for a lot, a long time, just doing day-to-day work, that same exact configuration, no disparage intended, but that same configuration makes my ThinkPad X1 fan run consistently. And it's hot to the touch. Just having it there with those high-resolution screen plug, with that one screen plugged in, and uh, with the 13th gen graphics and processor, and perhaps the cooling on this Infinity Book, the same task, doesn't cause the fans to run and I can do more on the system. So it's one of those step upgrades where I think I've got an 11th gen in my X1 Carbon Mm -hmm. and this obviously being a 13th gen Intel, like I notice a big step up in just the fan and the cooling kicks in a lot less. Um, And I like that a lot. As far as configuration went, um, you can, for the one I got with 32 gigs of RAM and one terabyte NVMe and all Intel and whatnot, uh, it comes out to be around $1,900 U.S. as configured. It's, I think, about $100 to ship it to the U.S. It's free shipping in Germany and other places uh, across the pond have cheaper shipping. You can order it with Windows, too, if you want. Or you can order it with a like virtual box license for Windows, which is interesting. Huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is based on the N141WU barebone from Clevo that they've then, you know, modified and this is probably the nicest of those odms i have ever used i, I was impressed it has a nice hand feel to it feels real solid i really but not heavy i'm curious to know what you thought and grab it take a look at the keyboard there because that i think is my one criticism of the device i enjoy the feel you know if you put it on the laptop scale i think the infinity book pro has a pretty good feel to the type you know touch typing kind of decent right it's not it's not the most incredible but it's also far from the worst the thing that throws me with that keyboard, and this is their uh, U.S. international layout, English international, is it has a standard size shift button that's just the size of like the A key. And the enter key is narrow and tall. And I'm used to like big fat enter keys. And so I use the shift a lot and I use enter a lot and for my passwords and stuff. It legitimately took me over a week to adapt my hands to that. Yeah, I noticed that immediately. I mean, I was adding backslashes to everything, mm-hmm. not hitting the enter. Yeah. If you're not getting a U.S. layout, I think it's a total non-issue probably. But it's a, it's an odd little um, just difference, I guess. I'm looking around all the keyboards in the studio, and they all have big, fat enter keys and big, fat shift keys. And this just, they're like regular button size, but the enter key is also two rows tall. Um, and that really messed with me for a while. Once I got the spatial layout of the keyboard figured out and sort of got my pinkies dialed in, I adapted, but it was a little bit of an adjustment at first. And that was my biggest knock. Uh, otherwise I really thought like the screen was brilliant. 
Um, really good lighting all around the edges. Looked good. The performance was exactly what I was hoping for in terms of, can I notice a difference if I'm going up two generations? Absolutely, I could. Having Thunderbolt 4 meant I was able to hook it up to my dock and drive the monitor and use Ethernet with it and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so all in all, if you're in the market for a portable 14-inch thin laptop with USB-C, USB-A, SD card reader, HDMI out, and barrel, if you like it, the Infinity Book Pro is a recommend. I'm, I'm really liking it. My only struggle was the keyboard. And if you're not getting English, it may be a non-issue perhaps. How do you think it fits in the sort of ecosystem, you know, compared to a, a Dev1 or, a, you know, a Dell XPS or any of the other sort That's of a like... a question. I think it feels... X1 Carbon? Design-wise, it feels slightly more refined than the Dev1 because it's a little thinner and lighter. Mm. And it's a little bit more nimbler. It, like, it's a little peppier than the Dev1, but the Dev1 wipes the floor on graphics still. Even though it's like, like two generation by now, I think AMD GPU in there. If you actually want a game, it's it is great. It's what's in the Steam Deck, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's solid. But I think in all the other categories, this might the Infinity Book Pro for that size might have a leg up. I'm curious, Chris. Uh, you asked me this when you had me look at the Dev One. Uh, how are the speakers on that thing? That's a great question, and I don't think it even occurred to me to bring them up because they were both not blow away. And not offensive, you know, because if you look at this laptop design, there's really nowhere for speakers to even be on this thing. Right. It's all battery and cooling. Yeah. And, and the keyboard pretty much goes out near to the edge. The screen near goes out to the edge. But I'm surprised. I, of course, I'm going to be holding it up to the microphone. So take it with a grain of salt. But I'll give you a sample of what it sounds like here. I'm just playing like a little music stream from YouTube. I think there might be a little distortion actually in the song, but there's a little, I don't know if that's, cause it's like a lo-fi, but, uh, you can feel the vibration. I mean, it here, let's take it there. Wes. You can, it really, oh, yeah. it really plays. <laughs> I mean, for a 14 inch laptop, if you're like in the hotel room watching a movie or something, it'll get the job done. And I'd recommend headphones, but you could watch your show or your movie and you get, you get away. I don't know if you'd be able to hear it over like an airplane though. I don't think it's that loud. So if you're on the airplane, you'd have to wear headphones. If you're on their airplane, you shouldn't be playing it, you know, just for other people's sake anyways. Come on. Yes. You good point. I'm just just trying to give you an example, but you're right. I do not condone just open playing. Monsters. We live in a society. But I, you know, for, for what for what they can fit in there, it was better than I expected. Although I don't think they're quite as good as the Dev 1. I think the Dev 1 still takes the cake on audio quality from a 14-inch Linux laptop. I think it's just probably maybe just right in that near that category, but not quite there. I'll put a link to all the deets in the notes because, of course, you can configure it multiple different ways to get to different price points. But, um, yeah, I, I'm glad I got a chance to try something from Tuxedo. I've heard about their stuff for years, but, um, you know, predominantly, I, I just don't see them operating a lot in the U.S. So maybe that's too, they do, though. Yeah, and maybe they're getting more serious about it because they reached out to me and asked about doing a review and I looked at their lineup and I thought I'd really like to try this. Yeah. What more good options for Linux mm -hmm. native laptops? Absolutely. Oh, great. And especially if you're across the pond. The Kubuntu focus is built by them. Right. And, and that's been their. I think that was their first toehold into the U S market because that's mostly marketed within the U S. Yeah. Actually, I have a question for you, Chris, about the, about the laptop. Are the speakers top firing, bottom firing or side firing? I think they're coming out. So there's there is something on the on the bottom, but I don't think there's any speaker grills on the bottom. I think they're actually coming out 
where the monitor vent is. When I had it open, I saw speakers in the top corners there. So that's, I believe those are speakers I saw. So that's probably the difference between the Dev One and this, right? Because the Dev One, because I have one, it has top firing speakers. From what I can, yeah. what I've observed is that if the speakers are top firing, generally they sound better. Yeah, but yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it's actually one of the reasons I don't buy smaller laptops is because they almost always don't have top firing speakers because there's no room for them. Yeah, yeah, and the bigger laptops, they you know, like the MacBooks with the big grills on the side. <laughs> right those can really pump you know but uh so i guess if you're interested and you want more details you can check it out on the tuxedo website they have also like a silver and black version i got black i think i i feel like the silver version wouldn't wouldn't quite hit the right note for me personally but i did like the black it felt like it was pretty solid to magnesium chassis so it's feels yeah, pretty good it in felt the sturdy yeah. okay so chris i have a question what about the trackpad does it have some dedicated mouse areas or how is the feeling in general ah great question i should have mentioned the trackpad so it's a it's a decently sized trackpad the finger feels fantastic you know i use it with the three swipe gestures for genome it doesn't have designated areas for right and left so a right click is the two finger click um but wes you're using it right now what's your live impression of the trackpad yeah, it seems pretty decent for a Linux trackpad. I mean, these have come a fair a fair way in the last couple of years. As you said, the gestures are quick, easy, very responsive, no problem reading it. You do have to click to get the, you know, the the two finger to pick up. Yeah. You um, push you give it a good push down. You there. Give it a good push. So yeah. that's you know, you may or may not like that. And the click is fairly audible, but it's it's not hard, it's not difficult, it's it's a pleasant clicking experience. In some ways it's kind of a satisfying click. So, <laughs> you know, pluses and minuses right there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no dedicated area or anything. But that does mean you can two-finger click anywhere on the trackpad and it'll pick that up. I think the way I'd summarize it is if you hate trackpads, it's probably not going to change your mind. If you like some trackpads, you're probably going to like this one because I'm comparing it to the Apple Magic trackpad, which I have connected to GNOME. And this works better. The Infinity Book trackpad works better, uh, like dragging windows around and whatnot, than the Apple Magic trackpad does. I like the texture as well. You know, it's got some resistance but it's so it's not super smooth uh but it doesn't feel like it's too much where it's going to sort of be wearing on your fingertips if you're using the trackpad for a while yeah yeah and there's you know there's the more i use it the the more i i like it and uh i would uh i would give it the recommend so we'll put links in the show notes to check it out and thanks to tuxedo for sending it out to us to give it a go collide.com slash unplugged my friends out there that are in IT, I have been where you're at. All the tickets, all the little issues, this message is for you. Have you noticed over the past few years that basically every major data breach that you hear about, they all kind of have something in common. It's generally the employees that are attack vector. You know, sometimes their device gets hacked because there's unpatched software on there. Sometimes an employee leaves sensitive data in an unsecured place. It just seems like every day something's happening at, at that edge. And then when you combine things like fished credentials or credentials that were in a leak from another site, it's a big problem. And it's not really the end user's fault. The solutions that are supposed to prevent these problems, prevent these breaches, they don't work right. It doesn't have to be this way, though. Imagine a world where only secure devices can access your cloud apps. In this world, fished credentials are useless to hackers. And you can manage every OS, even Linux, from a single beautiful dashboard. And best of all, Collide has a really slick solution to help work with employees directly to fix their own device security issues without creating more work and more tickets for IT. Uh -huh. 
Now you see why I love this. And the good news is you can go try it out right now. They got a demo that shows you how it all works. Collide is a device trust solution for companies with Okta, and it ensures that if a device isn't trusted and secure, they can't log into your cloud apps. Just stops before it ever happens. This really works. Go check it out at collide.com slash unplug. Go see the demo, get the information, see what I'm talking about. It's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash unplugged. Collide.com slash unplugged. Well, I wanted to give a little taste of the Berlin meetup that we had here. This is what? The third JB meetup in Berlin this year? This half year? I think we're doing pretty good. And I wasn't too sure going into this one. I wasn't sure how many folks would come back and say hello. I wasn't sure how many folks we would have that would be new, where they would come from in Europe. We gave a bit more of a heads up this time. I mean, we can still do better. Yeah, we gave lots of heads up, but we were also super vague about exactly when it would be like the entire time. So I was wondering, too, how it would turn out. September. I'm back in September. Let's just put that there. That there now. <laughs> Okay, But this time around, actually, it was like kind of the same beautiful thing that we always have at our meetups. I don't know why I was worried at all. It was almost, I would say, 50-50 between new folks that I had never met before and old folks that I became friends with last time. So it was was, yeah, super nice balance because it was like just really familiar, but also everyone could just jump in easily. It was just such a beautiful thing. So thank you to everyone who came out. I, I would... I think we got like, I don't know, a dozen people show up and it was kind of one of those wonderful, intimate, oh, intimate nice size. So you got to chat with everybody. Probably. Exactly. That's great. Yeah. And when you have a meetup of that size, uh, we do this cool thing where I just sort of ask everyone to introduce themselves They're here at Nextcloud, which is where we held the event. Uh, they've got a massive round table and everyone can sit there like you can fit easily 12 people around this thing oh wow it's 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 wonderful yeah and you got brent sitting at the head of the table i can picture it now well there is no head it's a circle chris Uh uh-huh i think i still feel like you find a way i sat in the middle it was fine oh there you go (laughs) you just put the food around him yeah yeah and then if you go for the wrong thing you've had too much brent just reaches out and slaps your hand he runs a tight meter (laughs) i mean you have to experience it one day but having that sort of intimate meetup is great because, like I mentioned, we were able to go around the table and just everyone was able to tell a little bit of their Linux story and, you know, where they traveled from and things like that. And uh, you get to know people so much. You know, Chris, when we do the bigger meetups, sometimes you're like, man, I tried to go see everybody and say hi at least once and that just never happens. So I, yeah, I, yep. it was, yeah. Deeply rewarding is how I would put it for myself. Now, we uh, had some folks come back, and one of those was Pavel. Uh, You may remember him from the last meetups, but it was kind of interesting this time. He lives in Berlin, typically, but he traveled to get to the meetup this time, which I had to ask him about. I was on a vacation when I heard about the meetup in Berlin. So, you know, I cut the vacation short jumped on the train and the plan was to for me to work during the eight or nine hour train ride to Berlin. Unfortunately, my laptop crept out on me. Uh, it's an arch installation and I, I just hated the idea of reinstalling arch, you know? Um, so I thought, well, um, why not try NixOS? 
what's the worst that can happen, right? Um, and you know, I have NixOS running on on three of my servers, so um, it's not completely new territory for me, but it's very exciting to you know to try it on a on a desktop machine. Uh, so I tried that and and it went really smoothly. The only thing that didn't work was the you know my very most important work tool that I need every day. It's uh, it's called DDEV. It's a it's a program to virtualize uh, web development environments. Um, it wasn't packaged in in um, in Nix packages, unfortunately. So I um, tried creating a package. Um, which you know wasn't very successful um i failed miserably um never had any experience in creating packages um and i thought the battle is lost but then after um you know arriving at the meetup and receiving new energy um i had the idea to to post about my conundrum in our nix uh nix nerds matrix group so i put up a bounty for anyone to provide me a buildable package. Um, and a listener did. Um, he's called Craftnix. He took like, I don't know, half an hour to create a, a buildable package. Even more amazing is that they decided not to keep the, the bounty for themselves. Instead, they wanted me to boost into the show um, to you know forward the value to the network. You know, which I would have done <laughs> if I wanted to go down another rabbit hole, which is boosting. Uh, but enough rabbit holes for me at this moment. So I thought I'm just going to give the money uh, directly to, to Brent. Um, he will know what to do with it. Yeah. And and the whole experience is just, um, you know, a wonderful example of, of how our community uh, helps each other and um how how great these people are what a great story i love that they didn't accept the bounty isn't that great you were what blowing it on showcane over there what are you what are you doing with this money over there i want to know well actually pavel uh pavel said well i i'm gonna give this directly to you brent but um because i was on a trip all i have is a 200 euro bill and uh, I was thinking I'd more give you like 50. So maybe we could meet for brunch sometime. And there, you do an exchange. there you go. Now that seems appropriate. <laughs> that does. That does. That's great. And uh, boy, can you imagine on vacation trying to get somewhere and your laptop blows up? Brent knows what that's like. Oh, don't. Don't even. It's the worst when that happens. I mean, it happens. Yeah, it is. And you got to just get through it. And you got to bring USB drives with life, whatever is to get things done. And. I mean, Pavel got it done. He's on NixOS now, what, on three servers and uh, one laptop. So I think he's Love okay. it. That's so great. <laughs> we all just got to be grateful to remember we're not reinstalling Windows. Yeah, right. I understand. That is, you know what? I also understand that oh, I just don't really feel like doing Arch today. But you chatted with some other folks as well, didn't you, Brantley? I did. And I was lucky enough to get to meet a fellow mumbler and someone who's been, uh, I would say, a large part of our community. I got to talk with Bitebitten, who I think I think he's in the chat room right now. He's still in Berlin. I don't even know how he's listening, but uh, he's up there in the that quiet listening. You know that uh, virtual quiet listening where you get that uh, nice mumble experience. But here he is from the past. We're here at the meetup, this second visit in Berlin, and uh, I found someone who, for I think many days, I've been excited to meet when I heard you were coming. Uh, tell us who you are and where you came from. 
Hello, I'm Ruben. Uh, many know me as ByteBitten, uh, as an admin in the Telegram groups and other places. Also sometimes uh, in the Mumble. And what was the rest of the question? <laughs> How far did you come from? Because uh, I think you came the furthest away, but we're not sure. At least it took you the longest to get here. Uh, how did, where are you from? How did that journey go? Yeah, so I'm from the Netherlands. Uh, I live really close to the border with Germany, but my travel took me well up to 10 hours. <laughs> yeah, and that was primarily because one train uh, fell uh, away, was cancelled, another one had one and a half hour of delay. Uh, but it gave me enough time to listen to the Jupiter Broadcaster show, so... <laughs> well done. I uh, trained him well on that one. And you did some touring around today. I think you, you went to the Spy Museum, which I have heard is excellent. How was it? Yeah, so I started my morning in the uh, Naturmuseum. Uh, but, yeah, nice and all, but most things were dead. And then I found a flyer of the Spy Museum where a lot of things were shown that happened also a lot here in Berlin. And uh, a lot of interesting things that also have the starting uh, startings of the encryption we use today. And that was really interesting to see. Fascinating. And you're holding something in your hands here that you, you kind of did a show and tell with all the gadgets that you brought to the meetup today, which was super fun. But this item in particular seems really interesting. Can you give us a little tour of what's in your hand and describe it physically a little bit? Yeah, so this is my little alternative Tamagotchi. Uh, it's the Flipper Zero. Uh, some people have heard me uh, tell about it already on the show uh, a few months already ago. Uh, it is also shown in some popular YouTube channels, uh, but it is almost um, everything in one for radio frequencies and security uh, pen testing and even my security key for my account. And why this item in particular? So if I had to describe it, it's maybe it fits in the palm of your hand. Uh, it is completely orange and it has this lovely, like... Um, iPod style uh, dial pad that you can use to navigate around. And I see that there's currently a dolphin on the screen. That's the Tamagotchi part. But uh, it has been useful for you because obviously you carry it around with you. Uh, what's, I don't know, your top three features that you use all the time? Uh, yeah, top three features. There's the infrared. Uh, so for your airco, your television, uh, anything with infrared. Uh, there's the uh, let's see what we've got here. Uh, open the menu. Uh, RFID reading. So when I want to know if some uh, some sensor has a specific range or a specific frequency, I can find out with it. I can read what is on NFC uh, attacks. Uh, there's a lot of GPIO on it. Uh, there's even a rubber ducky function with bad USB. And... Uh, I have always been about uh, finding gadgets, but also uh, not having a bunch of gadgets where uh, I need to find the right one. I just wanted one gadget with multiple functions. Well, this has a lot of functions. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thanks for being here. The Flipper Zero, Flipper Zero dot one. They call it the portable multi-tool for pen testers and geeks in a toy-like body. It's like the it's like a Swiss Army knife of tools. Oh, yeah, I've heard about these. I, it's wonderful to get a first-hand account. Yeah, thank you, Byte. I've been curious. Yeah, and it has a great feel in the hand. Like, it's it's well-built. It had, like, a case around it. I, I don't know if it came with the case, but it was just 
a wonderful thing. So if you're interested in like little gadgets, which Bite Ben is interested in all of the gadgets, he brought like <laughs> a bag filled. Uh, he also brought Chris a challenge coin, which oh we see from time to time. So that was nice. Old school. Very nice. Yeah, that's great. Uh, thanks for the uh, flipper report. And we'll put a link to that in the notes. But we do have one more chat, Brent. Yeah, I got to meet Darnier, who had many fascinating stories to tell and is a very talented individual. But uh, I just asked him a few questions. All right, so I am known around the internet as Darnier. Um, you'll find me around in a few places here and there where I want to be found. <laughs> and this is, I would imagine, your first Jupiter Broadcasting meetup. How is that feeling? How are the people here? Yes, this is indeed my first Jupiter Broadcasting meetup. It's super nice. Um, I missed it the last time. I think I missed it by one day. <laughs> I, I heard about it and I'm like, shit, it's today. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's uh, super nice. It's super neat to meet people. And this is kind of a recurring theme with me where people I know, voices I know, typing styles I know, and I meet them 10 years later. <laughs> That is such a fascinating feeling. Uh, you know, I, I just have met some people today that I've chatted with in our chat rooms and are deeply involved with, with JB as well. And it's, there's nothing like being in the same room. No, there's absolutely not. And especially to, to hear people that, um, to meet people, to put a face on something that you've heard for so many years. I've heard you for, I don't know, eight years. <laughs> That's even crazy to me. <laughs> and you uh, have been involved in some neat projects. Like, I think you mentioned the GNU project you're involved there. What have you done there and how did that come into your life? Oh, yeah. So um, I am currently the maintainer of GNU WGET, um, something many would probably have heard of. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that came about, I think, 2012, 2013-ish. I got involved with them doing small bug fixes, things like that. The Google Summer of Code project helped there. And from there, like, next thing I'm a mentor, next thing I'm, um, I'm the maintainer. <laughs> and that's kind of how it goes, right? You just start tinkering a little bit, and all of a sudden you gain more interest or more responsibility. That must have been a nice journey for you. Oh yeah, um, definitely. So uh, it went from from you know just learning the basics of of open source to next year mentoring someone into doing it, and then I'm suddenly maintaining the whole thing because the old maintainer's like, I'm done. <laughs> it's your project now. <laughs> well, thank you on behalf of all of us for doing that work. That's uh, really nice. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's it's kind of fun, and I I'm always surprised when I tell people. And uh, one of the most common reactions I get back is. I didn't know it's being maintained. Like, yeah, that's my job. <laughs> I make sure you don't see bugs. Uh, so if they don't notice something's, you know, amiss, then success, right? Yeah, that's when I feel I've succeeded. Um, you didn't think it was maintained? Uh, oh, of course, my first question is, was it because you have a long-standing bug that's affecting you? Or is it just because things just work? Uh, things just work? Yes, I'm happy. <laughs> that sounds fascinating. So... If someone is traveling or looking to travel and they're tech interested, Berlin should be on their list of places to, to check out. Oh, definitely, yes. Um, there's a lot going on in Berlin in tech, especially um, smaller events, larger events. Like I mentioned earlier, you really want to be at one of the maker spaces because that's where a lot of things are happening. There's constant events, talks, um, tutorials, all sorts of things. Well, lovely. Thanks for being here. I'm extremely glad to meet everyone here.
Man, that does sound, Berlin sounds like, a, I just got to get there. Making me jealous, Brent. Yeah, every other conversation I have, I learned about a new makerspace. So, uh, yeah, see them all. You're going to have plenty to do while you visit. You're going to have a long list, I think. It's true. And uh, I, I need to say thank you to Nextcloud again. I know my relationship with them has changed because, well, I'm somewhat thanking myself at this point uh, because I'm now part of the team. But it was just such a great space again and uh, was really uh, just a great time. So I feel like this might just be a recurring thing if we can keep it going. Gonna have to set up a studio over there, Brent. You know, <laughs> yeah. You should you should see what I've got set up now. It's it's like it's a cacophony of pillows leaning on walls and like stage lights. And I had to, I did things maybe I I won't mention uh, to make this all work. So I'll have a few conversations. I can imagine. I can imagine. And now it is time for. Le boost. We start out with a fantastic boost from Hybrid Sarcasm, who comes in with 241,232 sats. Coming in from the podcast index saying, my boosts have been slacking lately, and I was a little disappointed in last week's total sats received. So here's all of last week's sats in a single boost. Oh, and I hope to see you at Linux Fest Northwest. Wow. Yes. Thank you, Hybrid. Really appreciate that. Now, uh, you got to boost in your uh, meal order for Linux Fest so I can get it on the list because I'm going to be cooking. And uh, put your put your order in special, Hybrid. Appreciate that. Panic Ketchup boosts in with <laughs> 60,668 cents. I hoard that which your kind covet. Why do I like that name so much? Because it's a great name. Thank you for the boost. I wanted to jump in on the zip code fun. I love listening to the show while doing chores and taking the baby to the park. Thanks for many years of entertaining and informative value. Hope there are many more years to come. Here, here. All right, Wes, get out the old map. Did you look him up? Uh, postal code in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, one of our must-get-to destinations. I hope to do a show one day in Chicago. Uh, Panic Ketchup, I really know what you mean with the chore stuff because been out watering and you know choring and weeding and stuff a lot these days and i just can't do it without a podcast right so much better with a podcast so much better and uh sometimes i stay out a little bit extra long just to finish the show you know and i get a lecture done (laughs) jared came in with two boosts totaling thirty-one thousand two hundred and fifty satoshis from fountain coming in hot with the boost (laughs) I really appreciate the personal feedback and discussions on the show regarding the tax implications of boosting. Now that this is cleared up, here's a dump of all my fountain sats. I don't want to hold on to them too long. I hope the discussion helps others who may have similar questions in this new world of value for value. Wow, you earned up 31,000 sats. That is dang impressive, Jared, and thank you for boosting into the show. I've been experimenting with uh, just playing around with podcasting and Tudodo features for future office hours. And I tried Castomatic for the first time this week. Oh, nice. We've got a lot of recommendations for Castomatic if you're on iOS. And it does something super cool that really impressed me. So I was screwing around with the latest office hours, episode 33, and I, I created a transcript for it and I, you know, put it up on object storage and I put it in the RSS feed, this test feed that I'm doing. And I loaded that feed into Castomatic to just try out all the podcasting and Tudodo features as it plays. On screen, it has the transcript, kind of like subtitles. Oh, that's great. Right under the album art. And so when you're looking at it, you can just see what people are saying. It's so slick. And you can tap on and get the full thing, I think. But 
Oh, man. Todd from Northern Virginia sent us in a big old row of McDucks, 22,222, but uh, no message there. It was just a blank field. And not that you didn't put a message in there. It was just nothing in the field. I don't know. Maybe a space character. But let us know, Todd. Ford Humor also came in with a row of McDucks, 22,222 sats. Things are looking up for old McDuck. Uh, he's coming in with Fountain, and he says, I'm excited about the future of Alma Linux. Like they said in their blog post, they are now free from the requirement of bug for bug compatibility, and they get to start making things better. I'm not typically in a situation of needing rel bug compatibility or certification if I can buy rel at all. But thanks to Alma, now I can get the best of both worlds. A great distro like CentOS Stream with the tools I know and Alma's long-term support and bonus stability bug fixes. I think it's a big win for users. Uh, that's my take, too. You know, I mean, I really feel like it's not if you if you give up on the bug for bug compatibility. It feels to me like this is ultimately going to be more exciting. What's going to happen to Alma? Like we're going to see something a little bit different, perhaps innovative. Yeah, maybe a chance for them to have more uh, more of their own take on things. And if you're going to bet the horse, if you're going to bet on a horse, right, don't, don't you probably want to bet on one that's racing by the rules of the house? Seems probably like. Like if you're betting on a horse that's like breaking the rules of the house, eventually they're going to get disqualified from the race. I just want to know how it turns out. I'm curious to see what happens. Mouse down Mike boots in with 21,773 sets. B-O-O-S-T. JB on rails. I love the idea of a Jupiter broadcasting train journey from the Pacific Northwest to destinations in the east on Amtrak or via rail. Onboard hackathons with a few <laughs> overnight stops along the way to share the love of Linux, a much nerdier version of the Railroad Revival Tour from a decade ago. 21773 is the zip where I grew up. I'll need to reload Albie to get my West Coast zip in there. <laughs> All right, you look that up, Wes. Get out the old map. I want to say this. The idea of taking a train and then stopping at a few towns and like getting out and doing a show or something like that, how rockstar is that? I mean, if we could ever pull that off, I am totally 100% on board. I am in. All aboard. It looks like Mike grew up uh, near Frederick County, Maryland. Yeah, cities like Alpine View or Woodland Way. Hmm. Have to let us know if we got that right. Feeling good, though. We got 3,000 sats in from Haznep from the Podcast Index. I know you guys are big on Nix and NixOS, but have you considered looking at GNU Geeks? It was started a little bit after Nix, and I personally think it solves a lot of the problems that people have with Nix. Firstly, it uses Scheme as its configuration language, which is an established language with decades of history, so there's plenty of resources available for it, unlike the Nix language, which can be tricky to learn, as we know. Secondly, it doesn't suffer from the fragmentation problems in Nix, where half of the Nix community seem to be using Flakes and the other half just aren't. It feels like geeks learned from some of Nix's mistakes and got more things right the first time around. Being a GNU project, of course, it only has free software in its repo, but there's a non-free repo to fill in some of those gaps. I'm using it on an Ubuntu base alongside Nix, and it's actually been great for me. So, cheers. I think we have considered it. I know we've, we've, we're have we've familiar with it, but I don't know if I've considered really giving it the proper go. It's hard when you find something, you land something that works really well for you. Like it took me really a little while longer than I'd like to admit to really try out Nix because right. I was pretty happy with Arch and whatnot mm -hmm. and Fedora and stuff. Um, yeah. So 
It's not on the top of my list, but I don't know, Wes. You think it's something we should consider? Oh, it's definitely on my list. I'm sort of, I'm waiting for the right moment because I'm falling deeper and deeper into yeah. into Nick's. And yeah. like, I can only learn and ingest so much at one at one mm-hmm. time. Uh, but I mean, I, I love Scheme and Lisp, so I'm immediately attracted to it there. I, I had some sort of concerns, you know, it's like niche on niche and... I wasn't sure how active everything was and sort of the GNU stewardship and uh, availability of software because that's been one huge plus with Nix, right? It's like it has so much and basically all the things that I I need are almost always prepackaged in there. And on top of that, I mean, I feel like Nix is really getting to the next level network effect. I mean, you've got companies now that are kind of built around providing solutions for Nix. That's that's a whole other scale now. And um, that's attractive, too, when you're trying to implement something in production. But, uh, one, I just like trying stuff. And yep. I think this positive endorsement from Hasnav has really kind of bumped it up the list for me because it's a great point here at the end with, like, just use them alongside, right? I'm already doing with that Nick sideloaded Nick's wherever, you know, wherever I'm going. Why not just put Geeks on there and give it a try for some things? Yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely see that logic. All right, put it on the list. We'll give it a go. Hal was right, came in with 6,300 sats. I'm all in on Nix myself, uh, Nix OS in particular. I'm in the process of migrating from Ubuntu and Arch to Nix OS for all my computers. Oh, man, you really are all in. I've been using Cheogram, which is an XMPP client, which is a fork of conversations to set up phone numbers for better privacy. I pay for the numbers with Bitcoin. It's a really nice setup, in my opinion. Next on my to-do list is XMPP notifications using my Nagios monitoring system. Many XMPP CLI clients seem to be out of date, however, but... Not many of them offer off the record. Most clients are moving to Omeo, which seems like a better off the record from my experience, better than off the record from my experience. And Sir Alex Gates, I'll take this one too. Sir Alex Gates kind of in the same uh, subject came in with 10,000 sats, the podcasting 2.0 consultant using Podverse. And he wrote the modern XMPP project has standardized standardized on OMEMO or O-M-E-M-O. And it's, uh, it's an encryption, which is essentially what Signal uses, but it's application independent. And Alex writes, it allows for multiple device use. Each device gets its own key. The main clients have support for it, but some don't enable it by default. It's also not available in public group chats because, well, then why bother if anyone can join? Also, there is PGP as an option if it's needed. Hey, some good info we asked. And look, we get get the facts. That's amazing. So I need to read up more on Omemo or whatever, however you actually pronounce it, because uh, this sounds like people like it more than... um, Yes, we're setting up an XMPP server. It's getting, I can feel I'm getting closer and closer. I can feel it. Our pal Gene Bean boosts in with 18,888 sats. Based on all the things that happened when Alma, Linux, and Rocky were coming on the scene, let's all be shocked that Alma is the one with the sane approach to things that may (laughs) well also benefit the community as a whole. I also agree that the Oracle stuff is ridiculous and they should be quiet until ZFS is GPL'd. Yeah, preach it. Gene Bean also says, Home Assistant is a great example of analytics in a transparent way. I I'll, love I'll the- underscore that too. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, in Home Assistant, they're really clear about what you're enabling and then the project also speaks to it quite often too. Just to kind of, And then they kind of try to every now and then cite some of the analytics that are useful for them. It feels very transparent to me. I love that Fedora is figuring out user metrics. The Linux community needs this for advocacy so bad. Uh, and then uh, Jim Bean also asks, um, Rust Desk is written in Flutter? I think a rename might be in order here. Yeah, or we need a Flutter sound effect, right? It's getting to be that time. Yeah, bird flapping their wings, perhaps. We got a boost from Neural P. 
almost 6,000 sats, 5,999 with no message. Sad face. But Smart Growth boosted in with 5,000 sats on a little feedback about paying for a rail license. It says 400 per year is way too much unless you're delivering some self-hosted server software to include Montor VPN or something. If they offer that, they need better advertising. If not, Windows is way easier and Ubuntu gives me great tech for donations <laughs> or free. Where's the value differentiation? Well, then you're probably not a RHEL target customer, right? RHEL target customers know they want Red Hat Linux because generally the vendor's telling them that or they have standards and audit expectations they have to reach that call for it in a certain circumstance or their staff has been trained in that. So they just, you know, that's where their skill set's at. So they already know. And if you're asking yourself, I seem, it seems like Ubuntu works pretty well for me. What, why do I need RHEL? You don't. That's, that's totes fine. Uh, that's probably a lot of people. Megastrike 3 came in with 3,500 sats. I wanted to comment on your guys' discussion around technical versus the newbie nature of content. As a newbie, I actually enjoy the technical talk. I like hearing people who are more experienced than me, and then I can think about how to apply that in a more advanced way. I would say your current approach is good, and I wouldn't change it much, though I wouldn't be opposed to a more simplistic explanation every once and a while. Oh, that's a good note. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this conversation we've been having kind of ongoing because we're trying to feel like what where, where, where to get the technical versus newbie content balance is. And I often, when I start learning about something, kind of jump in on the stuff that's over my head. And as I'm kind of backfilling and learning, what I'm listening to starts to make more and more sense, or I'll pick up on little things that I should go look into or learn. And it also just helps me to learn the language of that particular expertise or area. Yeah, you kind of have to learn what to learn, right? You don't even know. You can get the fundamentals, but if the fundamentals are really broad, like how do you know which pieces you need to do something useful? Yeah, exactly. Faraday Fedora boosted in with 2,519 sats, boosting in earlier today. Not able to listen live. Have a great show, folks. Well, thank you, Faraday. It's nice to hear from you. Uh, I wanted to call out uh, uh, Mount B. Dude here because he had a question. It's a little bit below the threshold because it's only 1,000 sats. And I think we cut it off at 2,000 these days because, you know, big ballers here. Uh, but he wanted to know if there's a way to migrate listening history between podcast apps. I have not found a way online to do this. No, there is not. That'd be a fascinating idea. There are some ways for some apps that you can do it. Like um, a couple apps allow you to have a backend sync. You can do it. Um, you can move OPML feeds. You can move the feeds between apps. Yeah, right. We need some sort of standard or shared storage format or right. you know, interfaces I, to convert between. You know, at the meetup yesterday, uh, there were a few folks who just raved about uh, the gpodder syncing mm -hmm. service. Uh, they were running it on Nextcloud, which is kind of how it came up. But it, you know, that gpodder syncing ability is on a lot of applications. It's on uh, AntennaPod for sure, but it's in a surprising amount of places. So that seems like a well-tested way of accomplishing this between applications even. Yeah, I I am not really, uh, I'm not really a, like a, a, I shouldn't be giving you advice because I'm, I'm using two to three podcast apps right now. Like it's back in my battle days of distro hopping. I got some shows in one app and I got some other shows in a different app. And you know what? It's working for me. I'm actually okay with it. And I get to try out the different apps and stuff. Uh, if you want to boost in, you can go get a new podcast app and try it out. Join the podcasting revolution, newpodcastapps.com. I think podcastapps.com works now too. 
So let's talk about our totals here. We had 17 boosters across 24 boosts. So we had folks that sent in multiple times. Love that. Thank you. And we got a grand total in no small part, thanks to hybrid sarcasm. We had a grand total of 463,673 sats. Thank you, everyone. Really appreciate that, of course, supports the whole network. And we put those sats to work on the Lightning Network right now to open up more channels of communication. If you'd like to boost in, but you don't want to switch podcast apps, just get Albi. Get Albi.com. You top that off either directly in the app or if you got something like the Cash app already set up, man, that's quick. Send it over the Lightning Network right to Albi. Then you head over to the podcast index. Look for the Unplugged program. We got a link in the notes. Pew, pew, pew. You start boosting right there from the web. It's pretty great. Supports the show. And of course, feeds an eagle. Get Albi.com and podcastindex.org. All right. So we got two picks, gentlemen. And one is, well, I think everybody's going to love this. I, I, I do. I got to admit, I do this kind of stupid stuff when family comes over. I'll put like the Hollywood terminal app up yeah. on my screen just to make my computers look cool. And Brent, you found no more secrets. I am so surprised you both didn't know about this. Uh, I did find this just, I don't, I don't even, it's probably a Hacker News thing. If you've seen the 1992 movie Sneakers, which I think is dear to many of us, uh, this particular command line tool recreates that famous data decryption effect that they have on screen. And it is just glorious. It is glorious. <laughs> Hollywood's good, but this is, I don't know, something else. Yeah, why, if you're going to do an old boring LS, why not have it decrypt on your screen in glorious peak Hollywood computer style? I bet this would look great in cool retro term. Yes, that is the combo move right there, Wes. Good call. <laughs> now, this second pick, I don't know, maybe 10 of you are going to use this one, but I had to throw it in here because I believe this makes one of my predictions right. Thank you, guys. Oh, thank you. I know you're... Oh, stop, guys. I know. Thanks. We'll have to check it later. You. Yeah, we'll have to check. But Bard Shell is a utility that allows you to use Google's Bard AI right in the Linux terminal. It's Bard Shell, y'all. And here's what I love about it. it has a dependency on NeoFetch. <laughs> <laughs> what? How good is that, right? Because you got to have NeoFetch, man. You got to be able to see your stuff when you fire up Bard Shell. Well, that's the so, first line you put in any script, right? It's yeah. like bin, user bin, env, bash, neofetch. Right. I mean, you don't have an auto start already? Come on. Come on. So Bard what? Shell, yep, it's beautiful, it's glorious, and it's linked in the show notes, linuxunplug.com slash 520. There you go. That's the picks this week. Two of them in there. Well, let us know what you think about the Infinity Book, if you've got one, or what you're looking for in a 14-inch laptop, or perhaps, are you feeling like Neil and I and thinking it's just time to go all in on a desktop? Send us a boost or go to linuxunplugcom slash contact. I'm going to be kicking that around for a few. We're well, not literally kicking around, but I'll be using it for a couple more days. And then I'm going to be uh, mailing that back to Tuxedo, sending it across the pond. So if you want to play around with it for a day or so, Wes, you're welcome to kick it metaphorically, though, not actually. All right? Of course. And Brentley, best of luck to you on your time in Berlin. When we join together again for the next episode, you'll still be there, it sounds like. Yeah, I will be... Well, last time I didn't know where I would be. Maybe I'll be in a new maker space for next episode. Who knows? But uh, oh. I'll still, you know, still be here in Berlin. So I'll have more stories to tell, I'm sure. Make sure wherever you go, you can steal an Ethernet dongle and an Ethernet cable. Okay. Because uh, that's necessary for the show. We won't say whose desk, but there may be some desk at the next cloud office currently missing their Ethernet dongle and their Ethernet cable. Separate desk. I did also swap some things in the router. I'll have to swap that back before I leave. <laughs> 
whatever it takes, man, for the show. You've mm, got for the network show. cable, network box access. Wow. Yeah. Oh, they trust him a lot. You know, they probably have a project for him. You know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we'll be getting together next Sunday. If you'd like to join us live, we've got the Mumble Room. We've got the live stream over at jupiter.tube or uh, jblive.tv. You pick. Just come on over at Sunday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station. Oh, but if you can't make it live, you know what? That's pretty common. It's like 99.9% of the people can't make it live. That's why we set up linuxunplugged.com slash subscribe. Get the RSS feed, whatever app you like. Of course, you can find us on the podcast index at podcastindex.org. Look for the Unplugged program over there. And that's it. There's no land to plug. I will mention Office Hours, episode 33. Go get the story about the wildfire at Brent's house and hear about the new format stuff we're doing over there. It's pretty exciting. And I got in deep on creator incentives, too. We went deep. But that's it for us here at the Unplugged program. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for sharing. And thanks so much for just being there. And we'll see you right back here next Sunday.